0: Psalm Psalm 34 verse 8 O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This is this is an interesting uh morning for me. All things considered, I I didn't uh as You may know if you ever spend any amount of time with Pat Brady. For the most part, he never really knows what he's going to talk about until like the morning of or the minute of. He'll have a ton of notes, and it it won't be at all what he talks about. And for the most part, neither do I, um, except for today. Today, everything seems to line up, which is going to be interesting. Um, Remember the things that have been said so far, right? And um, it's almost like a magic trick. There's... There's uh, been no collaboration between me or any of these other people before we got up here to start doing anything today. Um, there's a lot that lines up. And to me, that that means that the Holy Spirit wants to say something specific to at least someone. Whether that's a general thing amongst all of us or whether it's a specific thing for one person specifically, there's, there's, uh, there's something that God wants to say. And I believe it's going to be said. And it has been Uh, already or that that process has already started but psalms says this oh taste and see that the lord is good and when we stop and we take that deep breath to me that's a taste taste and see breathe that breath inhale it there's a there's this new trend sweeping the nation right now. I don't know if it's sweeping the nation, but I've seen it on more than one occasion where people are like breathing in pure oxygen, like flavored oxygen, which to me is kind of funny um, because, uh, you know, it's, you're getting yourself, I don't know, slightly high or whatever on oxygen, which is cool, but uh, oxygen by itself should be enough, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know what the point of the flavorings are, uh, but not to say I wouldn't try it, but To breathe in, to breathe in like that, to to breathe in God, to breathe in Jesus and taste it and feel the, the presence of God on your lips, on your tongue as it goes through your body, through your whole self, through it infuses all your internal organs. Like we don't understand tasting in that way, but maybe we should. But here's the thing about taste and see. Okay, warm up exercise. Everybody close your eyes. I'm going to lead you through a guided meditation, which is not exactly what I'm going to do. But just take a second and think about something in your life that you know and understand very intimately. Whether or not that's a thing or a hobby or a person. And the experience with that thing has ruined you for anything else in that category. And just imagine what that is. Something that is, to your taste, to your experience, so good that it makes everything else seem inferior or even repulsive by comparison. Something that you know, that you have a better working knowledge of than nearly anybody else, and you can tell whether or not it will be good by unconventional means. Taste and see. What is it that you've tasted and seen that is different and has ruined you for anything else in that category. And if it's a food thing, you're salivating already, right? <laughs> okay, you, know, you can keep your eyes closed if you want to. I, don't, I won't assume you're all asleep if I'm, if I'm talking and your eyes are closed. Um, anyone who's spent any length of time with me knows that I'm uh, what you would call a coffee snob, uh, meaning that I won't drink the coffee here. Or if I come to your house, I probably and you offer me coffee, I'm not going to drink it. And that's not a personal affront to you. That's not me uh, just being picky for the sake of pickiness. Uh, but um, it's picky on behalf of the knowledge and experience that I've had with coffee. And I prefer coffee nerd as opposed to coffee snob because snobbery to me seems like it's just being picky for the sake of well, you know, I'm going to turn up my nose at a thing. But coffee nerd to me implies that I know what I'm talking about. Right, And I absolutely do know what I'm talking about. Now, here's, uh, here's Dory Trail number one. And I am learning to embrace the Dory Trails to the point where I even plan them out. Right? Okay, so coffee snob versus coffee nerd. I think that a lot of the world's interpersonal relational issues uh, are problems not with ideals or personalities, but they're problems with semantics. Okay? A lot of the arguments that I see and a lot of the debates that I see uh, or a lot of the things that I've experienced over time have to do with uh, just the way that I've interpreted what you've said. But a lot of the times what we're actually doing is we're talking about the same thing. And this is not necessarily at all helped by the fact that English kind of fails as a language on many fronts, right, uh, because, especially written, because of how much of it is expressional and contextual, so as we go forward, um, there are things that I'm going to say that uh, we, need to, we need to listen and gain the context of and be open to what Spirit says, especially as we read Scripture or we listen to those that are speaking, that we interpret things the way that God wants us to interpret them and without our previous experiences sitting in on that. Uh, you even look at just the English language. I'm going to have one phrase. I'm going to go pick up Mandy. Mandy's my wife. She doesn't like spotlights being shown on her, so nobody look. All right, uh, I'm going to go pick up Mandy. Then, in that context, literally means I'm going to lift her above my head, or I'm going to obtain her in some way. I'm going to pick up Mandy. I'm going to pick up Mandy. That little comma, or that thing, that little bit there, same words, same phrase, means that I'm going to go and pick something up, and I'm letting her know that I'm going to do that. I'm going to go. Pick up Mandy. I've now told you that I'm leaving, and I need you to go and literally pick up my wife or obtain her in some way. I'm going to go pick up Mandy, is just my impression of William Shatner. So you look at, you look at the context of these, of these words of the phrases, of Scripture. So when you read the Scripture and when you, when you interpret it, we need to make sure that what we're interpreting is what God wants us to interpret. What we're hearing and seeing and reading and ingesting is what God wants us to be hearing and reading and seeing and ingesting in His context, in His language, by His Spirit. Okay, so I'm a coffee nerd, right? Uh, meaning that I have an intimate understanding of coffee. To, to the degree that probably is gross, actually. I've experienced more and for about uh, probably four or five, yeah, I, I spent probably five solid years devoting myself to the understanding of this singular beverage. All right? I ran several coffee shops. I did consultation for a little bit of, of time. I helped people get up and running. Um, I participated in in uh, latte art competitions, in uh, coffee cupping competitions, uh, there was a time during uh, for research, research purposes right, that I would drink eight to ten cups of coffee a day by noon, and then probably somewhere by the later afternoon. My chemical dependence is still pretty high. Um, to this day, I can still drink a cup of coffee and tell you what region it came from, even if it's in a blend. And usually I can tell you the percentage that that blend is in. I can tell you that it's 25% Ethiopian, probably from the region of Sadamo, and 35% Colombian, Uh, so forth and so on, about a single cup of coffee. And I can usually tell you how it was brewed. My morning cup of coffee that I make before I leave the house takes about seven minutes, right? Because I grind the beans and I make sure that everything is exactly the way I want it to be. I have a scale, I weigh out the exact number of grams that I will to the exact number of ounces to yield the exact cup of coffee that I want extracted in the exact time that I wanted extracted, right? Um, I can tell by the sound of somebody steaming their milk for a latte or cappuccino whether or not that milk is going to be good. So when somebody offers me a cup of coffee in their home nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to say no. I'm going to decline. And it's not because I'm picky or rude. It's because that thing to my taste is actually just inferior. And that's just how it is. There are things now that to me are repulsive. If I go to Starbucks or Bigby, I will have tea or I'll have a Coke or a Mountain Dew because I don't have that intimate experience with either of those beverages. But if I drink their coffee, it makes me want to kind of vomit a little bit, which maybe is gross and going too far. Right, But as we taste and see that the Lord is good, that tasting and that seeing, right? That tasting and that seeing is more than just, hmm, that was okay. But no, it's years. It's years of tasting and experiencing and seeing and growing in and knowing to the point where the Lord is so good in my mind, so good in my heart, so good in my spirit that everything else is inferior by comparison, like a good cup of coffee, but better, right? Uh, C.S. Lewis says this, and I think it's fantastic, Um, and I've been trying to find a way to fit it into something that I've spoken about for like a year now, but uh, the quote is this. C.S. Lewis, he finds our desires, God, finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And don't be pleased by anything less than, inferior, by comparison. And don't just taste it, but know it. Know it deeply. Know it in your roots. Know it intimately. Uh, you look at the word see in this, in this verse in Psalms that says taste and see. That, that word see uh, stems from Hebrew re'eh which translates more completely into to see, to look at, look after, see after, watch, look upon, look out, find out, regard, watch, or observe. I like to observe, watch, absorb, regard, taste and regard that the Lord is good, taste and observe that the Lord is good, taste and see, watch, find out, look upon that the Lord is good. And it's not just enough to know that the Lord is good and just see it, but we got to dig in. you got to dig in. you got to go deeper. you got to get to the point where you have such an intimate knowledge of Jesus, such an intimate knowledge of the Lord, that you're a, a Jesus snob <laughs> or, or a God nerd, as it were, and uh, know as much as there is, as there is possible to know. And one of the most fascinating things about an infinite God is that we don't ever reach that point. There is always more to know. I know more about Roth IRAs than uh, the average person needs to know. I know more about modern-day portfolio theory. I know more about... Uh, how to write a budget which like nobody knows (laughs) anymore right and live off of it i know more about personal finance than most people need to know and even in that one singular finite thing i still haven't come anywhere close to all of the knowledge that is necessary uh, for uh, me to say that my knowledge set is complete and then i take that same idea and i compare it to an infinite everlasting forever god and we haven't even scratched the surface right at least i haven't and i've put some thought and study into this i'm kind of ocd about it when I study a thing, I, I parse it out, and it takes me a long time to think things through and then to, uh, to talk about it, and, and then I want to look at the Greek. I want to look at the historical context. I want to look at the linguistic context. I want to look at what was happening in the world at that time, and what was Jesus talking to? What was he saying? What is the Holy Spirit talking about? Who's writing what? All of these different things, and then I want to get into prayer, and I want to get alone with God. I want to spend this time on my knees and dig in and say, God, what is it that you have for me? What is it that you're teaching me? Right now, to the point where I am tasting it and feeling it and observing it and absorbing it, and I still haven't even barely scratched the surface. And you get heaven, right? We get eternity at the feet of God. And I've heard it said before, and I think I agree with it, that the reason that we have eternity with God is because forever is how long it's going to take to know Him. That's how deep. That's how wide, how far, how big our God is. So you look at this thing, intimacy. And this intimacy with God is the greatest taste, the greatest flavor, the greatest texture that you will ever experience. These moments down here are little glimpses, little tastes. When the music's playing and the lights are off and dim and I'm in my zone, and I don't. if you ever spend any amount of time with somebody that's like a worship leader or whatever, what's, what's interesting is that most of them, uh, when they get into that place, into that zone, have no idea you're here. They've forgotten you. They're not, they, they don't play for you anymore. They're playing for God, right? And that's the only thing that they're experiencing, and that's an intimacy, There's an intimacy that comes with being able to be me and God in a room with all of you. There's also an intimacy that comes with being me and God in a room by myself. We'll come back to it. Okay, now semantics again. The word intimacy is a word that's gotten muddled a lot lot in present-day English, right? We've associated intimacy with a lot of things that it isn't. Uh, we've associated intimacy uh, with uh, with sexual relationships a lot. Uh, we've associated intimacy with things that, that is not necessarily... So when I talk about intimacy, what I'm talking about is uh, typically the dictionary definition. Familiar, close, private, and personal. I can say I have an intimate intimate knowledge of coffee or an intimate relationship with my wife and children. Familiar, close, and in that relationship private and personal. That relationship is something that we're fairly open about as far as like, yes, I'm married and, and whatever, and we're kind of an open book, all things considered. But the depths of those relationships, those are none of your business. That's between me and them. That relationship is something that I covet and something that I uh, seek after, something that I enjoy with my wife and my children. Um, so whatever it means that to you, From this point on, when I'm talking about intimacy, I'm talking about familiar, close, private, and personal. When you have an intimate relationship with somebody, when you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, it may approximate other things, it may approximate other relationships that you have in your life, but there are portions of that relationship that are for you and that person. There are portions of that relationship that are for you and God only. And he may have other relationships with other people. And one of the things about an infinite God is that he can have intimate relationships with all of us. And they're all going to be different. And a lot of the time, they're and well, all the time, that's just for you. There's an exclusivity that comes with intimate relationship. Taste and see. That the Lord is good. Taste intimate relationship with God. I'm going to come back to this in a minute, but there's, there's a, an ex, another exercise, which is when was that time? When was the last time you had that intimate relationship, that intimate moment with God? That moment that was just between you and him, and you stared deeply into his eyes, and that's all you knew for that span of time. If you're married, you've probably had this experience where you want to just sit and stare at your, you know, stare at my wife. She thinks it's creepy now because she's usually sleeping when I'm sitting and staring at her. But um, I guess that is creepy. You're right now that I've said it out loud. Um, (laughs) But there's an intimate relationship there that's just me and her. Right? You first get married and you have this intimate moment where you're just like, oh, all I could do, I could literally spend all day just staring into your eyes. Right? Sounds corny, but it's true. I could spend all day just doing that. Just being with you. You and me, all alone. When's the last time you had those moments with God? My relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children is intimate. It's personal. It's private. It's deep. It's more than the other relationships. I know more about her than any other person on earth. Right? And she knows more about me than any other person. And no other person has a right to know those things. And if either one of us were to go around just sharing this knowledge, sharing that intimacy willy-nilly with other people, (laughs) willy-nilly, or that relationship, that would be considered a breach. That would be considered a breach of trust. That would be a problem, a violation of that intimate relationship that we have. And that relationship is between husband and wife. But what about your relationship with Savior and Saved? What about your relationship with worshiper and worshipped? And I don't go around sharing the things about my intimate relationship with my wife or my family as if they're common, because they're not, they're holy. And it's not because of a rule. It's not because uh, somebody sat down with me at some point and said, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Rule number one, you're going to wear the ring every day. And then rule number two, uh, all these intimate relational secrets and all this stuff that you have in between you and your spouse and and you and your children and whatever, well, that just needs to, to stay between you, okay? So sign here, right? I don't share those intimate experiences, Because to share that with somebody else would be, to me, to bring in an approximation of that same relationship with somebody for whom it wasn't designed, it wasn't meant to be. And that experience, to me, tastes sour. It's a thing that is repulsive. It's a thing that is not at all attractional to me and not because of a rule but because of that intimate relationship Luke 14:26 If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes and even his own life right I apologize. I kind of like awkward silences. I'll sit here in this. Just let that sit, though. That hatred is not saying, oh, well, I need to treat you with contempt as my mother or father or wife or brother or whoever, right? Spouse. But it's a comparison. Has your time with God, has your taste of Jesus, has your taste of the Holy Spirit been so deep and so intimate that it has made everything else seem like hatred by comparison? Do you yearn for it in a way that makes everything else seem inferior by comparison? Do I? Not always. That's my confession. (laughs) And oftentimes, not even most of the time but we're working on it. Because to me, it's one of these. It's Isaiah 55. fifty-five eight says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we try to make these comparisons by earthly means. Right? We try to make the comparisons... Uh, about, for instance, humility, as if it f- falls someplace in between the spectrum of pride and shame by an earthly standard, but what it is is it 's just a way that 's completely different than yours it 's a way that 's higher than yours, and that way that way of god 's thoughts, which are higher than your thoughts, his ways that are higher than your your ways, his being that is higher than your being, is found in intimacy. There are things that we can 't understand, literally unable to understand. Until we have Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit is found in intimacy. It's found in that moment where it's just you and God, and he's telling you everything that you want to know, everything you need to know. And not only is he just telling you that, but you don't need to know anything because that's exactly where you want to be. There is no place I would rather be than in the presence of Jesus. And we go to him looking for these answers, We go to him looking for the answers to the world's problems. And it's to his great goodness that a lot of the time he does give them to us. But what we should be going to him for is just to be in his presence. Sit with him. Learn from him.